welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Excellent. In the short time that I have with you, I want to just share uh, some thoughts. To do that, I'm going to probably need my uh, illustrious helper here. Everyone put your hands together for Laura. I hope you're starting to work it out. Nothing just happens. Everything has someone behind it. And so when you see lights go on and when you see heaters go on and when you see certain things happen, there are people, precious people behind everything that takes place here. And that's why I find it really hard to believe in evolution. To think that there is nothing and it just exploded is beyond my comprehension. I don't have faith for that. Behind everything, there is someone God, in the very beginning, spoke the world into existence. He was there in the beginning. How did he get there? I don't know. That's what makes him God. And God said, let there be light. And bam, there was light. There was someone behind the creation of the universe and the stars and the moon and the birds and the bees and the trees and the water and the land and you and I. God spoke it into being. And everything that's taken place here this morning, there's some incredible people behind it. You know, this auditorium wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for our volunteers. There are hundreds and hundreds of man hours making sure that this building looks like it does today. And so Kath said it already, but I think you should give yourselves a massive round of applause for all that you do week after week after week after week after week. Excellent. Cool. I want to speak this morning about developing a volunteer culture. And I want to read from the book of Matthew. Matthew is found in the Bible. Matthew was an eyewitness account to all that Jesus did and said. Matthew was there when Jesus was healing the sick. Matthew was there when Jesus was raising the dead. Matthew was there when Jesus was arrested, when he was crucified, when he died and when he was buried. Matthew was there. He saw it with his own eyes. Three days later, he saw with his own eyes the resurrected Christ. He saw for 40 days Jesus walking and talking after his death, burial and resurrection. He saw Jesus being ascended into the uh, heavens. He was there. And as he went around telling his story about what he saw, he realizes he was coming to the end of his life. He better get this down on paper because Jesus may not be coming back in my lifetime. And there are many people that I haven't yet met that need to know about Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his his ascension, his promise that he would come back again. And it's this man, Matthew, that I want to read from today because he was there. And um, he was there at some of those incredible moments. He was there at some of those mundane moments. And he was there at the teaching moments. And this is the teaching moment where Matthew heard Jesus teaching not only himself, but also those that were there listening to him that day. And in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus um, with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked her. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Isn't it interesting? The mum comes and asks, but he addresses the boys. I think he knows what's going on here. Anyway, he says, Jesus said to them, Can you drink? 
the cup I am going to drink. We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong for those whom have been prepared for by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus had 12 disciples, 12 people that were close in his world. And two of the disciples had a mum, and uh, the mum went to Jesus one day and said, can my two boys sit at your right and left when you're in heaven? And, uh, you know, the disciples, when they heard this, they were ticked off. So here's the story. We've got a well-meaning mother. We've got two highly ambitious boys. We've got 10 ticked off disciples. Sounds like church. <laughs> any ambitious mums out there and any ticked off disciples out there? Um, the interesting thing is that Jesus is not upset by this moment. Instead, he uses it as a moment to teach people. And so basically, he's answering the question that they haven't asked, and it's this. So you want to be great. I get it, boys. You want to be good. You want to be great. You want to stand out. You want to make a difference in your world. Nothing wrong with that. Jesus does not rebuke them for wanting to be great. If you want to be great, if you want to make a difference, if you want your life to count and mean for something, that's good. Jesus does not rebuke the disciples for wanting to be great. Instead, he teaches them how to be great. Isn't that amazing? Jesus doesn't tell them off. Maybe your understanding of religion is it's all about being told off and you're not allowed to do this and you have to do that and you're not allowed to do this and you must do this. But Jesus says, you want to be great? Fantastic. Let me teach you how to be great. And again, Matthew records in verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 25, it says, Jesus called them all together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high uh, officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, yes. Jesus is going to tell them how to become great. So you want to be great? Yes, Jesus. Well, if you want to be great, uh-huh. Can you, can you see this moment? The disciples are like, yeah, yeah, go, go on, go on. They're like little puppy dogs. Go on, go on. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must, yes, yes, be, uh-huh, uh-huh. Your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, speaking of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. These disciples are, uh huh, yes, uh, really? That's it? You want me to lay down my life? That's going to make me great. Are you kidding me? See, Jesus was teaching something that was not embraced by the culture he lived in. And what I'm teaching you today is not embraced in today's culture. We are taught that if you want to be great, live for yourselves. Walk over everyone. Not so with you, said Jesus. If you want to be great, lay down your life and serve. In other words, if you want a great life, anyone want a great life? Yeah, I do. I want a great life. Then serve. Who wants a great marriage? 
Or who wants an average marriage? Who wants a terrible marriage? Who wants a divorce? <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> They're like, go on, go on. <laughs> no, no, no. If you want a great marriage, serve. That's the key to a great marriage. Serve your wife, husbands. Wives, serve your husbands. That's the key to a great marriage. Serve. You want a great family? Serve one another. Mitchy, take the bin out and serve. That's what it's all about. It's about serving. If you want to be great, you've got to serve. If you want a great church, who wants to be part of a great church? Then you are the answer. The answer this morning is you. Then you are the answer to that question. If you want a great church, then serve. You can serve and we can have a great church because greatness is off the back end of serving. This teaching was revolutionary in the time that Jesus taught it. And it's revolutionary today. It's counter-culture. And that's the purpose of the church, to teach a message that is counter-culture, that goes against the grain and the society of which we live in. Jesus says it's all about the kingdom of God coming. And do you know when, when we start doing what Jesus did, that's the kingdom of God breaking in. And so when someone hurts you and upsets you, but you forgive them, the kingdom of God has come. And when you're a busy person, but you choose to lay down your busyness and to serve, that's the kingdom of God coming. It's, it's as simple as that. When your husband or your wife is arguing with you and you choose to work through that moment and not just run off with somebody else, it's the kingdom of God breaking in. We talk about signs and wonders. What greater sign or wonder than just staying, hanging around, serving, helping, being part of the solution and not just the problem? What greater miracle than that today? And this is what Jesus was teaching into. But here's the thing when it comes to culture. Culture is not just seen in what you do, but how you do what you do. In other words, it's not good enough just to serve, but it's how we serve that's all important. It's not just enough to get on the roster and serve a cup of coffee, but you want to do it with a smile. You want to do it with a good attitude. This is culture, doing the right thing, but doing it with the right heart. Our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. We should have a good attitude in the way we serve. Here's the problem, and I want you to catch this as I talk about volunteering this morning. The propensity of every religion is to drift towards rule keeping instead of relationship development. And so this is not a, about you just getting on a roster. This is about us developing people. Jesus was not saying you should just serve. He was trying to develop these people. See, I think too much religion is all about what you do and what you don't do. That's not the heart of this church. We don't want you to do anything. We want you to become an incredible person God's called you to become. God has put purpose in you, and we want to see that purpose come to the full. So this is not about getting on a roster. This is about you becoming the man or woman of God that he designed you to be. And part of that is serving. Part of that is laying down our life when we don't want to do something, but we do it. We're becoming the people God wants us to become. It's about relationship development, not rule keeping. To go to that church, you've got to be on a roster. No, you've missed the point. We don't want you on our roster. We want to build you. We want to help you. We want to develop you. We want to strengthen you. 
And part of that is hearing things we don't always like to hear. But religion always drifts to, oh, at that church, you've got to do this. That's rule keeping. That's religion. It'll always keep us in bondage. But if you understand the heart behind what is being asked, you say, man, these people love me and they don't want me to stay where I am because they, they want to invest in my life. They are developing me as a person. I've become the person I am today by not getting my own way. Many of my prayers were answered with this, no. I asked my mum and dad many things as a young man growing up. Mostly I got back, no. Can I buy this? Can I do that? Can I have this? Can I have that? Because you know what? As a young boy, I didn't even know what I wanted. I just saw something I wanted. Have you got, you remember that as kids? You're walking down the toy aisle, can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? You never wanted it until you walked down the aisle. And we have people in our world that know better than you do. They say, no, you're not having that. No, you're not, even, you're not even interested. You don't even want that. God knows what we need better than we know what we need. And so God's like, no, you don't want that. I've I got something better for you. And so the heart behind everything I shared this morning is about developing you into that person God has called you to be. This is not about getting on rosters. This is not about just serving. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's about becoming the people that God wants us to become. And you've got to catch that. Yes, that's going to mean getting on a roster. Yes, that's going to mean serving. Yes, that's going to mean giving something of yourself to somebody else. Absolutely. Yes, it's going to mean being hurt. Yes, it's going to mean being upset and let down. Yes, that's our future. Isn't it awesome? But in all of those things, we're becoming the men and women God has called us to become. What doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. I'm a better person today because of the adversity and the opposition that I've received in my life. And if we are to serve, then I want to look at four cultures of this church that are going to help us serve with the best possible attitude. In this church, you've got a number one, because remember, you are the culture carriers. You are the culture keepers. We've got to keep the culture and in order to keep the culture of this house, you've got to keep it real. Everyone say real. You've got to keep it real. Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, it says in John. He was the way, the truth, and the life. The word truth simply means this, the sum total of all reality. In other words, Jesus never allowed himself to have the wall pulled over his eyes. No, no, he was always speaking deep into a situation. Most of the time, he never even asked, answered people's questions because they weren't worth answering. He helped him to think differently because he was always keeping it real. Do you know the number one reason people stay away from church? The people that we're trying to reach, is in their heart of hearts, this is, this is their number one pet hate. The trouble is with Christians, they're hypocrites. People hate fake. And we have an opportunity to be real. We grew up in an era where you weren't allowed to admit you were sick. And so we had all these people going around, they're sick and they're snotty and they're, they're doing, and you say, oh, you're not feeling well. I'm like, no, I'm feeling great, I'm feeling great. And you're like, what? Are you kidding me? You sound ridiculous. It's much better just to be real. Say, so, yeah, you know what, I felt better, but I'm not going to let it stop me doing what I need to do today. That's real. Yeah. Not just denying something that you're actually presently experiencing. And so in this church, we want to keep it real. There'll be some days when you're volunteering, you won't feel like volunteering. Just keep it real. I just don't want to be here this morning. But you know what? I am, so I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to do my best. Let's keep it real. We as pastors, we want to get into your world and help you, but we need you to be real. 
It's amazing the Christian cliches that we get. How are you going, mate? Oh, fine. I said, really? You don't look fine. Let's keep it real. You look tired. You look worn out. You look like you need a holiday. No, I'm fine. I'll keep going. And they keep going out the door, upset, and they leave. And everyone's the enemy. Are you kidding me? Let's just be real. So in this church, we need to keep it real. Let's keep it real. This is, this is the number one problem with most relationships. I don't know. People don't talk. Tonight, you don't want to miss tonight. I'm going to talk about the art of godly confrontation. We're going to confront confrontation tonight because most people hate it and most people aren't good at it. But you need to be able to confront well if you're going to do life well in this congregation, in a marriage, in a family. You've got to know how to do this well. We've got to keep it real. And most people are fake. They talk nicely to your face. And then they backstab you behind your back. And that's what the world hates about the church. We have an opportunity to turn it around. Let's keep it real. Number two, we've got to keep it what? We've got to keep it big. Everyone say big. We've got to keep it big. Keep it real, number one, and keep it big, number two. We serve a big God. I don't know if you know Benno, but Benno's a good friend of mine. He's on staff. He is our music director. He was playing guitar this morning. He's six foot five. He's big. He's got some kids. I expect them to be big kids. Big dad, big kids, it's fair to say. Well, if we have a big God, surely he should have some big kids. Yeah? I expect you to grow up and be big and strong and mature and wise because that's God. God is big with wisdom. He's big with strength. He's big with all these things. I expect that for our people. I don't expect you to say small. I expect us to represent and reflect the DNA that is in us, the DNA of our Father, who's a big God. In Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more above and beyond, or we ask, dream, hope, or even imagine. Wow, this is a big God. It's according to the power that's at work within you, the Bible says. Wow, we serve this big God. Here's my question, though. What are you full of? It's according to the power that's at work in you. What's the power at work in you? Is it a power of unforgiveness? Or is it a power of love? Is it the power of hurt and disappointment? Or is it the power of a greater future and a greater hope? We have a big God and we have some incredible answers out there because we have this big God in our heart. Whatever you're full of is what's going to come out of you. And whatever you're full of is what you're going to get immeasurably more of. So if you're hurt today and you don't deal with this, you're going to be immeasurably more hurt above and beyond all your dreams, hope or even imagine. But we have an opportunity to keep it big. We need to keep life big. Keep it big. Let's keep our conversations big. People always want to talk about, oh, my God, God didn't do this for me. Come on, let's keep our conversations big. Yeah. I remember Mickey when he was four years of age, he came to me. And for the first time, he was born without fingers on his left hand, but for the first time, he asked me the question. I knew it was coming. I didn't know when, but I knew it was coming. And I was preparing myself for that day. I, I didn't know where, I didn't know when, but I knew it was coming. I knew there was going to come a day when my son would ask me why he was born with no fingers on his left hand. And even though the day came, I still didn't have an answer. I don't know. So when Mitchie looked at me and said, Dad, why wasn't I born with fingers on my left hand? I could have kept it small. I don't know. It's horrible. Isn't it? I don't know. It's just not fair. 
I'm a pastor. I, don't, I can't believe it myself. It's just ridiculous. You think of all the people who could have a full head, a hand of fingers and you'd be a pastor's kid. But no, what's going on? I don't know, Mitch. That's no way to lead. That's no way to lead. No one comes to my connect group. Like, you know what? With that attitude, I wouldn't come to your connect group either. Let's keep it big. I can't get any volunteers. Nobody wants to serve on my team. I wouldn't either with that attitude. Keep it big. I looked at Midge. I grabbed his hand. I said, I don't know why you were born with no fingers on your hand. But I also can't explain why you're so devilishly handsome. You have the most piercing blue eyes. And you're going to break a lot of ladies' hearts. I don't know why. And he went, cool, and walked off. <laughs> you talk to Mitch. He knows this. I'm handsome. I'm good looking. I have incredible blue eyes. I'm going to break a lot of ladies' hearts. And he stood up here on stage for the very first time, singing at youth. And he's dancing and he's jumping and he's full of confidence because he serves a big God. Not a little God that doesn't give out fingers. Are you kidding me? God can heal his hand like that. That's not the difficulty for God. The challenge is, will we believe God? With fingers or without fingers? With a job or without a job? With a husband or without a husband? With a wife or without a wife? Come on, let's keep life big. We serve a big God. Thirdly, keep it great. We serve a great God. Oh my goodness me, we serve a great God. He used to sing that song, Chris Tomlin. Oh, how great is our God. Remember that song, how great. Trouble is with most of the church, they sing like this. Yeah, how great is our God? Uh-huh. That's not a question, it's a statement. How great is our God? I was here Friday night at the women's night. 500 people, I managed to sneak in and just dressed up and just kidded everyone I was doing something, but I was just there. <laughs> and I come back and I said, you know, how was the night? This is my answer. Oh, how great was that? It's not a question. It's a statement of how awesome it was. Donna hosting, unbelievable. Jean Bates, you couldn't shut her up. Unbelievable. It's amazing. My wife hosting, people's generosity, the fun, the laughter, the life. Oh, how great was that? What about this morning? How awesome was that? I mean, that was just great. I'm going to tweet today. Oh, church was awesome. How great was that? We serve a great God. How great is our God? Oh, he's awesome. Job, he said the same thing. How great is God? He says in Job 36, verse 26. He's beyond our understanding. Oh, I don't know if you saw the fog this morning. Did you notice the fog? How many of you said, oh, how great is our God? Oh, it's too foggy. (laughs) This is what I know about fog. Everyone drives slow because they don't know what to do. That's like a door. I know exactly. This is like, I'm just taking over everyone. Vroom, vroom. How great is our God? Oh, this is just awesome. How great is that? Seriously, how great is our God? We serve a great God. So you should have a great attitude. Great marriage. Great families. A great life. 
I'm convinced of this, that life is good. People are beautiful. And God is great. I'm convinced of that, that life is good. People are beautiful. And God is great. Do you believe that? That God is great. Oh, we've got to sing this in a moment. We've got to do it. It's just great. And the fourth thing is this. Got to keep it real. Got to keep it big. Got to keep it great. The last thing, got to keep it fun. And you'll notice on the screen there, in the tiny print, is with a little bit of naughty. Oh, you've got to have a little bit of naughty. You know why? Because people don't expect that. And Jesus was always doing things that people did not expect. Jesus gets some mud, whacks it in the guy's eye. What is that, what is that about, really? Really? I mean, really. We've got to keep it fun. Life's good. People are great. No, beautiful. <laughs> and God is great. You know, if you take yourself too seriously, people won't take you seriously. I've made a living out of entertaining people with my mistakes. Come on, Ben, come up here, come up here, come here, come on. I tell you all the things I do, and some of those I'm not proud of, but they do make for great stories. Went to Bondi Beach one year. You know the story? You know. You know. And you've all laughed about it at my expense, you wicked people. I lost my call. I stomped sand everywhere, and I'm saying at the top of my voice on Monday Beach, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, just because my family didn't want to stay on Bondi Beach. How rude of them. Don't they know I'm a man of God? I've worked really hard all week, and if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't even be on Bondi Beach. They should be more grateful. I can't believe it. I'm just, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Had the biggest hissy fit ever. I'm not proud of that. It's not my finest moment ever. But it's a great story. You've got to learn to laugh at yourself. Never forget that night when I kissed and apologized profusely to my wife and to my kids, and when everything was normal again. Mitchie's at the dinner table. And in true Mitchie fashion, his comedic timing is unbelievable. We're sitting there with dinner. He goes, Dad? I said, yes, Mitch. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Because he knows you've got to make it fun. You've got to keep it fun. All these are decisions. You notice I didn't say, keep it sad. You don't have to keep it sad. It just drifts to sadness. I didn't say, keep it hurt. <laughs> just try and... We just drift there. You've got to keep it fun. If there's no fun to be had, you make fun. If there's no laughs to be had, you, you laugh at yourself. Yeah? Keep it big. You know why? Because everything drifts to smallness. That's why you've got to keep it big. The conversations you have will always go to small. And, and small will always end up being you and my and me. Nobody loves me. 
Everyone hate me? I was treated badly. That's your trouble. You've got to get your eyes up yourself. That's what the Bible says. Lift up your heads. Look at him from where our help comes from. Keep it great. We serve a great God. I can't explain certain things. I don't know why certain things happen. But they do. The world have a better way of saying it than this, but this is the Christian way. It happens. It does. Stuff just happens in life. It just does. How are you going to handle it? Look at JJ in the front row here. This awesome kid. He's had to deal with stuff in his life. Didn't ask for that. Just got thrust upon him. But it's how he handles it. And one of the ways he handles it is is the friendships he keeps. He gives a new pair of basketball shoes to Mitchie as he grows out of them. So Mitchie's like winning and he's winning in the giving. It's just how you respond. Why do we do the balls of glory? Where's that in the Bible? It's not. It's just a whole heap of fun with a little bit of naughty. Because people need to laugh. We need to laugh. Hollywood are making a killing by doing funny comedies because people, and they'll go and say, I just want to laugh. You can laugh today. Just look in the mirror. I mean, seriously, Paul O'Neill. I mean, seriously. Dude. With facial hair like that, dude, that's like a... That's a comedy right there. On some of our volunteers' nights, we have these specialised hugs. And we've observed certain people's traits and behaviour. Then we say, ah, have you noticed the way Pete always hugs you? Have you noticed the way Pete does it? Have you noticed the way Mick does it? We we, we name certain hugs. And they say, hey, why don't you go and do a Pete Rainbow hug? Do you know what a Pete Rainbow hug is? This is what a Pete Rainbow hug looks like. Find the person who least wants to be hugged (laughs) and go and give them a hug. That's Pete. It's a Pete Rainbow hug. And so, you know, if you're around Pete, you better look like you want to have a hug because you might, if you don't want a hug, here's my, here's my word of advice. If you don't want a hug from Pete because you're not a huggy person, then look like you want one. Because if you, if you, if you retreat around Pete, that's, that's like a red light for him. I mean, it's like a green light. It's like, woo, bam, you're going you're gonna to get a Pete rainbow hug. It's just, where, where's that in the Bible? It's not. Just a bit of fun. A little bit of naughty. Whole heap of fun. You apply this not just to volunteering in church, to every area of your life. Imagine it work. Keep it real. Someone says something about you. Instead of telling everyone else what that someone said, why don't you just go and say, hey, is it true? Just keep it real. There's a rumor going around and it starts with you. Is, is this true? Can you imagine? Whoa! Because that's what Jesus would do. He just calls it out. Jesus on one occasion, he says, hey, who, did the, who is everyone saying that I am? Oh, they've got lots of answers. Well, he says this and she says that. He said, she said, he said, she said. And Jesus goes, that's cool. What about you? And he goes, silent. Yeah. Jesus is a master. 
just painting people into a corner. It's like, okay, cool. Now what about you? <laughs> Keep it real. In other words, you say, I don't care what people are saying. What about you? I'm interested in your development. What about you? Everyone ignores me at church. What are you doing about that? If you're going to sit in the corner, suck your thumb, I'd ignore you too. Change something. Become more friendly. Get a new job. Do something. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it big. Let's keep it great. Let's keep it fun. We're just a little bit naughty. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. God bless.